Hi, everyone. I'm Britt, and welcome to Educate Me, a podcast where we share stories of surviving and thriving in graduate school. This week, my guest is Jen Sidorova, Indigenous scholar and PhD candidate in political science at the University of Calgary. We talk about creating connection when you're new on campus and overcoming feelings of self-doubt. We end with a chat on quick meals for busy grad students. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Jen Sidorova. I'm a PhD candidate in political science from the University of Calgary, and I'm just defendant in June, so I'm pretty much close to the end. Pretty much close to the end, yeah. What do you have left to do? I'm still working my revisions for my dissertation, but I hope to finish them by September. Yeah, those revisions can, uh, can be a bit of a pain in the butt. So tell me a bit more about your research. So my research, uh, since I'm a political scientist and I studied the Arctic, my research is focused on the analysis of the incorporation of traditional ecological knowledge, also known as indigenous knowledge, into the Arctic Council. And the Arctic Council is the largest intergovernmental organization in the Arctic that facilitates international cooperation between eight Arctic states, including Canada. So I'm pretty much interested, uh, how can we basically incorporate indigenous knowledge into the Western science? And that's something like, that sort of question was basically bothering me for five years. How did you come up, like, why did this question start bothering you? Because once I was, I had a conversation with one of my professors and since I introduced myself as an indigenous scholar, she asked me, oh, actually, I was always wondering how to incorporate indigenous knowledge into Western science. Can you give me an answer? And she expected me to give her this answer for five minutes. She was like, oh, you're indigenous. You probably know how to do that, right? And then after that, I was like, I actually don't have any idea. And then since then, I started thinking, it, this is actually a really interesting question. And then... I just realized that I'm really interested in into this particular topic. That's really interesting. And so I know you also have a background in law. So mm -hmm. what got you interested in then coming to do your PhD studies and doing your PhD studies in Calgary and around this topic? So what happened after I finished my law school in Russia, I just realized that 9-5 um, work was not for me. So I was really interested in uh, academia. And then that was the moment when I decided to do some sort of graduate school. But because there was no chance for me to do my grad school in Russia, uh, where I'm originally from, I decided to apply to the various Arctic universities. Like I applied, to, uh, I applied for the graduate student position in Sweden. I was looking for Canada. And then I was accepted to the university in Alaska. So University of Alaska Fairbanks, they have the program Arctic and Northern Studies. And that was a chance for me to study something that I was interested in. And since law, you know, legal systems in Russia and Canada are so different. Mm -hmm. I just decided to basically transform my background into political science because I always liked political science. It's very similar to law. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. So you're studying at uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks. And then what brought you down to Calgary? Because it's similar to Alaska and I love the mountains and mm. I like Western Canada. I was reading a lot about Calgary. I, I couldn't decide between University of Alberta and University of Calgary, but 
since University of Calgary had Dr. Rob Hubert, who works with the Arctic, everyone recommended me to contact him and talk to him. And I had a Skype kind of chat with him prior moving to Canada. And he's a pretty much laid back uh, person. So he just told me, just apply for this position and then we'll work together. And then I applied and I was accepted. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, good to have someone to work with who who is laid back and, and can work with you that way. That's great. And I mean, University of Calgary also has uh, the Arctic Institute of North America. So lots of resources that way, too. Yeah, exactly. And I was reading about the Arctic Institute of North America. And also, I was really inspired by the works of Heather, Dr. Heather exner Perot, mm. who also graduated from the University of Calgary. I was really like reading her blog uh, at that time, and I used some of her articles for my master's thesis. And then that was also the reason why I decided to work with Dr. Rob Hubert, because Heather exner Perot was one of the most brilliant scholars in the Arctic. Well, that's awesome that there's such a, like, access to those scholars that you want to work with. It's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I found when I was applying, I mean, I applied to Calgary for my master's because, like, it was home and there was also, like, a good program here. Um, but in, in my area, I didn't, like, I had no idea who the scholars were that I should be looking for or looking to apply to. Um and then once I got into my master's studies, and I, I knew better who I wanted to work with and so was more selective uh, or was able to be a bit more selective in terms of uh, where I wanted to apply and who I wanted to work with. Um, and it worked out really well. But uh, and yeah, being close to the mountains, like location is also really important. Like when we were, talk we were talking recently as well about uh, how when we're looking for future positions, like academic positions as well. And talking about like, yeah, it's about the institution, but it's also about location. You have to actually want to live where you work and you have to want to work where you live and that balance between it. Yeah, I think that's great. You're lucky that you were born in Calgary because it's a gorgeous city and it's very, it's like the university is pretty much located in downtown, right? And then you always, it's like one hour, you're one hour away from the mountains. So I guess that's a pretty good choice. Yeah, it is. It is pretty lucky. My parents are from Ontario, so they chose to come live in Calgary in the uh, early 80s um, mm -hmm. when there was a, a big uh, move from Ontario. Like there's lots of people my age born in Calgary whose parents are from Ontario <laughs> or, or at least other places out east. So it was uh, fairly common. A lot of people were coming out at that time. And uh it was very lucky, but I think it's really funny that you say the university is located almost downtown because now it feels that way. Like I live near the university now and it's very like central Northwest. But, um, when I was growing up and doing my undergrad at the university of Calgary as well, and I lived on the other side of the city and it's like a half hour drive. And that half hour felt like a very, very long time. And it felt like the university was so far away. And this was also when, the LRT, the C train didn't extend as far northwest as it does, didn't extend as far northeast as it does. So it felt like you were going from one end of the C train line to the other. Um, and now it's it's not nearly like Calgary has grown around it. So now it feels like we're, we're more central. But then when I went to the University of Alberta, now that campus is downtown. And that was that felt really nice. But um, yeah, at least living nearby campus makes it feel like it's more central. <laughs> I think the best decision, especially during the COVID conditions, I just realized I was so smart that I decided to move close to the university because I can basically walk to the university. It takes me like one hour, but it's still good. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm closer. I'm like 20 minutes walk. 
No, that's great. Yeah. Although, although our campus is very big, so it also depends on what side of campus you're trying to get to. <laughs> to get yeah, to the- so I'm more like central campus, like uh, social sciences. Yeah, like- so to get to central campus is probably like 25 minutes, and to get to education building is more like 30 So I have to like plan based on like, I look at my calendar, I'm like, okay, what meeting do I have in what building? What time do I have to leave? (laughs) That's awesome. So also during your graduate studies, I know you've gotten really involved on campus and I know I, we, I think we first met through the Graduate Students Association. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for you, what, what made you want to get involved on campus uh, and how did that help you in your studies? So I remember like my first two years were pretty challenging for me because I was so like I had to take three courses during my first semester and then I had to take four courses during my second semester. And then after that, I had to immediately start preparing for my comprehensive exams. And then I just felt like I was at the university all the time and I felt so self-isolated. And then I just didn't have time for any activities, but still, like, I decided to go and volunteer for, like, I just started volunteering for the Toastmasters, Mm. and then for the Russian Association, and then I uh, designed my own group, peer support group for international graduate students called the Nomads. And then after that, um, I think that I saw the ad in the email subscriptions of the Graduate Students Association that there was, like, a position of the chair for Gender and Sexuality Alliance. And I remember I was in the vacation at that time and I was like, I should apply for it or I shouldn't apply. I was really tired, like after swimming. And I was like, <laughs> oh, the application form is very easy. And then it turned out it was just a PDF file. And I was just using my iPad because I didn't have an access to the computer. And it took me like five year, five probably minutes to fill it out and send it. And then after that, I was like, my application was accepted. So I was pretty lucky. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so in general, like for, for, I guess like in your master's as well, but also in your, specifically in your PhD, what would you say was like the biggest challenge for you? Um, yeah. What was your biggest challenge? So I think that my biggest challenge, I was thinking about this question for like five minutes, five minutes since we were talking. And then I realized the biggest challenge was of course, like self doubts that I had in myself for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Because I always had self doubts, whether like I deserve better grades, whether like I need to apply for this particular scholarship, whether I can publish or not, or whether like, like, things like that so overcoming my self-doubts working my own fears working my like uh, self-esteem confidence public speaking and things like that was something that really helped me to improve not only I mean that it did not only help me to kind of like gain more confidence in myself during the grad school but also kind of helped me to improve my own self-development So I think that in that way, grad school was definitely a very good challenge because it motivated me to grow. Yeah. Uh, What did you find like helped you to overcome that self-doubt? Was there anything in particular that that you did or was it just kind of over time? So I think that uh, when I started going to Toastmasters and practicing my uh, speeches publicly, so Mm -hmm. I got really involved into the public speaking. I was just basically pushing myself to meet new people like every week at every meeting and just talking to people, improving my communication skills, improving my uh, ability to read other people's body language. Like I'm a generally kind of a shy person. 
So that's why I was like kind of working on kind of making myself more extroverted. And that was something that really helped um, to overcome self-doubt. Also, the other thing was, of course, friend, friendship support, like support from my friends who were always saying that I underestimate myself and I need just to try to kind of like do some research and then come up with some ideas and then just publish something. And I think that that's why I'm really grateful to some of my friends like Ryan, who just believed in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with your experience, like being an international student and um, coming to Calgary, not really having connections here before you got here. And we talk like as adults all the time, like it's hard to make friends and like sustain friendships, but you talked about how important those friendships were for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how did you, like, where did you find your friends and how do you, how do you sustain those, those like relationships and friendships when we know like how busy uh, grad life can be? So I just started volunteering because um, I think that having some similar ideas like research interests, some similar challenging challenges such as like, for instance, intense coursework or something like that was something that created a really good friendship material and then create, uh, helped me to develop really good, meaningful connections with people. And to me, it was like I had to basically volunteer or go anywhere, like at any events like any hobbies that interested me. Like I went to Zumba, I went to Toastmasters, I went to the GSA. I also used to hang out with, like my roommate who also became my friend. She's in, she was an ACAT student at that time. And then I used to hang out with her friends as well. And then it just my formula would be meet 50 people. <laughs> and then after meeting 50 people, you get 20 connections. Mm-hmm. And then after 20 connections, five of them will be like, your close friends. So that would be my formula. Just meet as many people as possible, talk to them, don't be shy, and then try to learn other people. And then I was also working my listening skills because I feel like I'm not a great storyteller, but I'm a good listener. So that's something, like it's basically finding my own strengths in communication. That's something that helped me. Yeah. don't be That's something like (laughs) no. That is, that is a great tip. Um, I really like that you, that, that formula. And I think the idea of volunteering as a way to meet people is, is like really important for graduate students too, because there's so many opportunities on campus to get involved. Um, and I'm thinking back to like, I think I first, yeah, when I first came to grad school, I first got involved with like my like faculty graduate student association And even before I was on campus, I like ran for one of the executive positions because I knew I can be quite shy, but as long as I have like a reason to be in the room, I'm very, I can be much more extroverted and then get to know people really well. And so that one connection ended up resulting in other connections. Like then I got involved with our graduate student journal and I got involved um, with the graduate representative council, which then got me involved with the graduate students association. So exactly as you said, like the like just one connection can really spur on other connections. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or you just like have a really good friend like Suzanne and then you go to her birthday and you like meet like 10 more other people. Yeah, find someone who's really well connected and, and uh, latch on to them. That's also really good. Like I'm constantly like debating with Suzanne over like her popularity because she doesn't agree that she's popular. And I was like, Suzanne, you know everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I have the reputation of knowing everything about campus and like Suzanne knows everyone on campus. 
and <laughs> like and even in the city like she's much better connected in the city than I am for sure yeah I should also get her on this podcast <laughs> oh yeah absolutely <laughs> you'll get a great um, interview with her. I think yeah. she's st- she's studying for candidacy right now so we'll leave her alone until she passes candidacy and then I'll bug her about it yeah. um I thought like so I, then we've also been thinking about so we've got new students coming in all around the world to campuses in September for graduate studies. And some of them are going to be entering into labs and those labs are gonna help them get acquainted and and meet people. But then we also have students who are coming into programs like us and the social sciences, education, arts, humanities, who their first like experience of grad school is really just taking classes and those classes are gonna be online. And so do you have any suggestions to, to people for how to, how to get involved or how to get connected or how to meet people when we can't, we still can't really meet in person all that much? I think I feel very sorry for those students who will only have to meet other students online, but I also feel at the same time, they're not alone. And I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who are not only international, but they're also coming from other provinces like Ontario, like from Eastern, Eastern Canada, who are also struggling to find friends. And I really believe in the power of uh, mutual interests and like intellectual connections that can emerge in any, under any circumstances. So I believe that online connections can be pretty good. And then let's just imagine if these students, they are taking online courses on Zoom and the only way for them to chat would be uh, Zoom chat, right? But they can still text each other privately. And then they can say like, oh, let's go for a walk. And then do you leave like nearing the university or like I can come and pick you up and then we should chat about this wonderful theory that we talked about during the class yesterday mm. or like, how are you dealing with COVID? You know, there are a lot, still a lot of, there's still a lot of ground for conversations and there is still some opportunity for people to meet up and chat about something interesting. I know that I believe that probably in September, since we're not having really good situation with COVID in Calgary, maybe some public places will be closed, but I think that we still have parks. So parks provide the perfect opportunity for people just to chat because it's an open space and there is a least, uh, lesser chance to get infected. Yeah, I think you make such a good point about like putting yourself out there um, Mm -hmm. and don't wait for someone to message you and and say, hey, let's do something like you really have to take some of that initiative as well, Um, which is really hard when you're new. But hopefully I just heard of um, a program that they're getting off the ground at the University of Calgary where uh, current or ongoing graduate students are going to be able to volunteer to be kind of a, a connector or a support, particularly for international students who are coming. Uh, and will be kind of a, a point person and a connection for them. So um, I'm really happy to see that see that that's going to happen, and I hope that happens on other campuses as well. But um, yeah, and then that idea of someone's going to reach out to you proactively because it can be really scary when you're a new student or or new mm-hmm. somewhere to to reach out or to talk to people and um, and to to use that chat feature or to find places uh, where you can chat with people and outside of class. Yeah. I was always wondering, would it be like a good idea for the college to meet up in the park? Like Adversity Park is pretty close to the university. And since a lot of scholars live um, near in the Crossnest, maybe that would be a good idea just to meet up and then have like a socially distance gathering. 
Yeah. I mean, I think we can, I, yeah, I think we should do that. Some sort of like distance picnic or something. And, and it's hard. Cause I know some people have like different comfort levels. Like some people just like still don't want to even go outside <laughs> at all. And some people are like meeting up with everybody and being very social. So it's hard to say, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. We should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I know, uh, well, we were together part of a book club as well, talking about like the academic job hunt and you're really interested in academia. Um, mm -hmm. and I know I, I also shouldn't ask this about, uh, when people are finishing their PhD, but, but what's next? So I find myself in this phase where I'm writing and I'm, I'm not putting as much time into writing as I should because I'm a little afraid of finishing, uh, because grad school, it's hard, but it's also really comfortable in a lot of ways. Like once you know what to expect, you know what to expect and you know what grad school is and you have your friends and you have your routines and all that. And so it can be a bit scary to finish. Um, so I don't know if you felt that as well or, <laughs> or, uh, and how you're kind of overcoming that to finish up and, and yeah, what are you thinking? What's next for you and any advice for me? <laughs> So I don't know, it's a very good question because like, um, I feel very lucky that I got this job at St. Mary University where I mm. can at least teach uh, part-time and I'm thinking to get like some sort of research uh, fellow job in Calgary, hopefully. I'm working some on one project with Luis, uh, who's also the part of the graduate college. He's an alumni. Um, and I'm thinking to kind of like do something part-time. And I looked at it, the biographies of some uh, scholars, like beyond the, from Beyond the Professoriate to Karen Kelsky's biography, what did they do after their graduation? It seems mm -hmm. like there are like two ways. Either you get your like and get your tenure track position, or the second option would be just to work somewhere in Calgary as a research associate, research fellow, research assistant, whatever research job you can have. Because like, I know for the industry, we're over we're not overqualified. We're just over academically, how did you say it? Like, um, so we have a lot of like uh, education, but we don't have a lot of work experience. And that's a challenge for the industry. And I think that uh, we're less qualified with than some people with only bachelor's degrees. So I just right. believe that there are some research uh, jobs positions that could be available uh, in the fall semester. And I'm still looking for like tenure track positions as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think sometimes it's like, I don't know if we're, we lack work experience, but I think sometimes like we think people see PhD on a resume and they're like, oh no, this person's over, like overly educated. And mm -hmm. like, I joke with my family all the time that I'm, I'm very overeducated because this is my fifth degree and really don't need that many degrees, but here we are. Um, and, and yet like, there's lots of things I've done along the way that are work experience related. Like I've managed projects, I've done research, I've, de I've delivered on deadlines and all these sorts of things. So I think it's also a lot about like how you describe your experience um, rather than just as education especially for phd because like for us in in canada like we do take some courses uh before we embark on our research but then in other countries they don't do any coursework they just do the research so like to say that that's not also work experience i think yeah i think it's just about about um like translating that into language that others are gonna 
like identify with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and are you hoping to stay in Calgary long-term? Yeah. Cause I, I'm not, uh, now I'm not an international student anymore. Um, I'm a permanent resident. So I oh, decided just, yeah, thank you. I decided to stay in Canada and even though I'm applying for some jobs in Europe, just yeah. for interview experience, uh, I think that I'm going to stay in Canada for like a very long time. I really like Canada. I'm really grateful to Canada for being nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Canada was pretty nice to me. So that's why it has been pretty nice to me. So I think that I would like to stay in Canada. And since I, I have my like friendship support connections in, in Calgary, I have my community here. Um, I think that I would stay in, in Calgary for at least uh, one more year and then see how things will go. Maybe two years or three years or maybe all my life. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe there's a position at Mount Royal or somewhere else. Who knows? <laughs> Fingers crossed for you. But I like I think to what you said about the connections, I think that's also really important for yeah, starting off on something new, having those connections and that support network is really important. And uh yeah, it's good you recognize that. Yeah. yeah, like for instance, can you imagine that I should tell it publicly because I wasn't sure if I should post it about it on Facebook, but what happened with me, I just got the bike last week and it got stolen after like four days. Oh no. It was a very nice bike. And then what happened, I just told my friends, oh, you know, this like crappy thing happened. And then what Suzanne did, she gave me her bike that she's not using at that time. And I think that just the wonderful thing that a friend could do for you, right? Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. That's, that's one of the terrible things about Calgary is that bikes get stolen constantly. Um, yeah, my husband had his bike stolen last year, right, like right out front of our house and they took his bike and left mine. So (laughs) like we were using like the same lock. Um, so, or like the same style of lock. Uh, but I guess his looks like it was worth more money. I don't know. And they were about the same price. (laughs) Yeah. But what Suzanne did for me made me feel so, so much better. And then when yeah. I talked to my friend, she told me, I know how it feels. You feel like a loser. Like you, like you suck in something when someone steals things from you. And then she was able to provide her empathy. And she said that maybe it's a good sign that maybe it's a blessing in disguise that something nice is going to happen to you. So you see, like, uh, I think it's important to be like empathetic. Mm-hmm. Just and to people mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's so true yeah so are you able to get out uh bike riding now uh with the nice weather yeah i just need to pump my my the tires of the bike that suzanne gave me and then i just hope i still hope to find my old bike because i really liked it it was a really good brand kona oh and that is a brand so then I just hope that police, the police will find whoever stole it. And then um, after that, I will give this bike back to Suzanne. Yeah. Well, I hope they find it too. Yeah, yeah but I, I agree. Like, it's a, such a nice weather and it's a great physical exercise. Because like right now when I'm working on my revisions, it's a lot of intellectual work. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I just like, I can't really contemplate what I'm writing. Yeah. I have to like, contemplate like the comments from other professors. So I just need to do something physical. So I just go for a bike ride. Like I, I live near Dalhousie, so it's very close to the Nose Hill Park. Mm-hmm. And I go there and it's fantastic there. Like 
it's really it's really good for a bike right yeah yeah and I think like that's so important too to take those breaks like to notice when you're like okay I can't focus or like I need to think through this um Mm -hmm. to separate yourself from it and to go for a bike ride or for a walk or I'm trying to do yoga every morning um, cause sitting in a chair all day is not good for my back and my hips. <laughs> so I have like massive back problems as well, like probably in May or something. Yeah. For me, it's like, I, it's like my lower back and hips are, they're mm-hmm. really bad. So I was able yeah. to get in for a massage again, which is like after when that reopened, that was like the best thing ever. Like that's what I <laughs> Did you get it for free? Like through your insurance? Uh, I could, but no, because I need a doctor's note for it, and I've never gotten around to getting the doctor's note. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So, no. But it's not too expensive, because I go to this place that has, like, a – it's, like, a membership. So, mm-hmm. it's not that expensive. Well, that's really nice. Yeah. So, do you think that massage can really help against lower back pain? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's made, like, a world of difference for me. Yeah. And then I've become friends with my massage therapist because (laughs) we end up chatting every time and we have so much in common. It's hilarious. And then I ran into him at like the snowboard shop and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's really funny. Like we have way too much in common and found out like we worked at the same summer camp, uh, just a few years apart. So it's, it's a little weird how much we have in common, but I think we're like maybe becoming friends. It's a little, I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly but surely. I see him for like an hour once a month. Uh, but uh, yeah, but it's good. But like taking time to do those things for you, right, is really important. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we we sit at, at our desk and we like bash our head against the proverbial wall trying to like get out these revisions or trying to get out this paper or just trying to do what we need to, what we think we need to do. Whereas if we just took a little bit of time for ourselves to maybe connect with our friends or to uh, go for a massage or for a walk or, or exercise, uh, actually, the next time we sit down, everything will come much easier. Yeah, yeah it's so funny because, like, I also be kind of befriended my yoga instructors uh, during my second or third year, and I befriended my Zumba instructor as well. <laughs> and then... <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like exactly what you're saying about mutual interest, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. So, um, before, before I let you go, I was also really curious about, um, like any routine you have, like since you've successfully gotten to the point of, of defending, uh, so you got through like what I'm finding to be the most difficult phase, which is this writing <laughs> when, mm-hmm. and it's funny cause everyone like in quotations, it's like just writing or like, everyone says, Oh, I just have to write. And it makes it seem like it's a small task, but it's also, it's also really big. So I'm curious about how, how did you break that down or how did you get through that writing phase? Um, and even now, how are you getting through the, the revision phase? Any tips or tricks you could pass along? So I think that basically scheduling is very important. So that's something that helped me really to stay on the track. I made a schedule, like my own deadlines, even though my supervisor didn't ask me, but I just told him August 1st is when I'm going to hand you everything that I wrote yeah. uh, with a general overview. But I made also small deadlines for myself. Like, like for instance, July 20th is the time when I have to finish chapter three. There is no way like to procrastinate anymore. 
And procrastination was like my biggest enemy nowadays because it's so nice outside and also like it's really hard to work from home. Yeah. So what I did is basically I investigated the best the best way to deal with procrastination is do something like little having little hobby on the side. So I really enjoy writing and I really enjoyed like making what I was doing just for the graduate college, I was making those cards and then making those like cards for the seniors, like handmade, really helped oh, yeah. me yeah. with procrastination. So it was like a self-help exercise. And right now I'm just involved into volunteering for the Gauntlet, which is the University of Calgary magazine. Yep. And I'm supposed to interview your friend, Kelsey Pinanen, about her Trudeau scholarship. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that interviewing, like giving interviews, uh, writing in the blog about something that's something that really helps me to deal with my procrastination, because that's the way to know that I'm doing something productive during the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can't focus on this, but I can go focus on this and at least like feel good about accomplishing something. You see the results of your labor. And also cooking was something that I got so into like during the pandemic. Yeah. I enjoy trying new recipes and I cook and since like I can taste it and I can see that like the results <laughs> that I was productive it helps me to kind of like stay on the track cleaning also is good yeah yeah what's your favorite thing to cook oh I love cooking Eastern European food because I love eating it yeah so uh, cooking soups, I like cooking pierogies, borscht, like uh, beef stroganoff. All these things are pretty, like you know, like pretty easy to cook. Yeah, and it's you know, like since you're from like Calgary, probably now it's all about beets, pickles, uh, cabbage. You know, very simple vegetables. Yeah. Um. So I just enjoy trying new sauces as well. Like I really like Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire okay. sauce. Yeah. Yeah. The one that's uh, harder to pronounce than, than it is to yeah. you. Or, yeah. But it's so tasty. Like, it's totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just recommend anyone to use Worcester, Worcester sauce. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I find, I don't know, I get into, I'm not very good at routines or habits. And so, like, I'll get into, like, oh, cooking for, like, two weeks. And then I'm, like, I never want to cook again. <laughs> And then, and then we end up eating a lot of takeout for a while and then, or like really quick, like freezer meal type things. Um, you guys are being fancy. What's that? Your guys are being fancy, like having like all these like, um, skip your dishes uh, stuff, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Fancy or more lazy, really <laughs> more lazy. Or it'll be like my go-to is like, um, uh, a bag of salad and like some sort of protein and just making like a big salad. That's really like the go-to quick, fast, easy dinner, even more than like takeout or anything because takeout, like by the time you order and it gets delivered or you pick it up, it's like an hour. Oh, and, wow. and I'm usually like, I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to always have some sort of like salad, bag of salad in the fridge and a protein. So we can just like throw those together really easily. Your yeah. survival pack probably. That's, yeah, that's my survival pack. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or noodles. Yeah. I, yeah, we don't eat a lot of noodles, it, but it varies because, like, yeah, my go-to used to be, like, spaghetti, right? Because, like, that's yeah. really easy to do. But what about ramen and, like, typical student food? No, I in my master's, I ate a lot of, um, 
uh, like rye bread crackers with cream cheese, tuna, and avocado. I mm-hmm. ate a lot of that. And what else did I eat a lot of? I remember eating that a lot. And then there's one other thing. But I don't remember. And then um, it was also because my husband was working a lot of shifts. So we our meal times didn't overlap a lot. So I just had to feed myself. Whereas now he works more daytime. Uh, he works some evenings, but not a lot now. So, and he like does not like eating like a college student. He's like, been there, done that. Don't want to eat like a college student anymore. <laughs> so we don't eat a lot of ramen or anything like that. Except for camping. We take ramen camping because that's a, a good quick thing that you can make. So, and light to carry. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ramen is definitely a camping food as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any go-to like quick meals that you'll make if you're short on time or uh, energy to put effort into cooking? You know, I actually have this recipe of spaghetti in this way, uh, cooked in a sailor way. I don't know, sailor spaghetti. That's how oh. it So you just have, have basic, you basically fry ground beef on the pan and then you cook some spaghetti and you just put a lot of vegetables, whatever you have in your fridge. Uh, onions, vegetables, like other stuff. And it just basically takes 15 minutes to cook. So that would be my goal. Nice. And you also like clean out the fridge a bit that way. You're just like, oh, all the vegetables thrown in. All the vegetables that are supposed to be spoiled go to this dish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good call. I think, yeah, that's what I'm doing pretty much tonight uh, with like a stir fry though. I have some broccoli and carrots and zucchini that really need to be used. So. Yeah, and I think that's my recipe. Like this um, sailor spaghetti would be the very far relative of shepherd's pie, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I ate a lot of shepherd's pie growing up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's easy to cook. That's why it's good, right? It is, yeah. And then, oh, other thing. Oh, I got an instant pot, like, I think a year or so ago. And that's pretty handy for cooking up the quick stuff, too, so... That's nice. I've never actually used it. Maybe I should give it a try. Yeah, it's like it's uh, like pressure cooker. Like we like to make uh, like pulled pork in it. It's really easy for pulled pork. Um, that's pretty much what I use it for. Some rice sometimes because we don't have a rice cooker. We'll just use that. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Now you're making me hungry. So <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Jen, for your time and for coming on the podcast and best of luck with your revisions and I look forward to celebrating uh, your successful graduation soon yeah thank you so much for hosting me Britt. it was a pleasure to, to talk to you today um, I really I really liked your idea of the podcast I think that that's a great hobby to have during the pandemic it is it is a lot of fun and, and it makes sure that I connect with people and talk to people more than just my cat so it's great oh yeah <laughs> It's good to have a cat, a cat, though, because cats could understand everything. They judge. It's true. He's he's fairly understanding. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Educate Me. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, or wherever you listen to podcasts. A huge thank you to our audio producer, Sean Paris. Join us again next week for more stories of surviving and thriving in graduate school. Until then, stay in school.